What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you need to, email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more Terrible Wrestling Takes. My, oh, my. Plenty, plenty, plenty of takeaways from Payback tonight. I mean, shit. I just spent the last 10, 15 minutes on Twitter trying to figure out how exactly I felt about how this show ended. You know, I said it on uh, the the preview podcast and SmackDown recap. This is only Roman heel turn if he kicks people in the dick and pokes them in the eye. And damn it, if Roman didn't kick Bray in the dick, I was taking notes. I just dropped my pen. I was like, I, 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 what am I supposed to say? Roman doing it this way left me feeling like everyone else did when I was rooting for Roman as a babyface, and he won. Everybody else is like, oh, they're pushing him to put it. No, man, just watch it, let it happen. I watched it, I let it happen, and I felt so underwhelmed. And I don't know why. Is it because it's obvious? Is it because there was literally nothing else they could have done? My guy, Justin Cherney, on Twitter, changed his name to at JustinTime211. I mean, he called it from the beginning. He predicted exactly how the match was going to go. That Roman was going to come out for cleanup duty. And I looked at it. I didn't respond because I'm like, you're being cynical. That was my thought. Let the match happen. The match happened, and he was right. And I'm so underwhelmed because there's you can bloat this story. You know, I said it in the in the the SmackDown recap. Like, let them use each other. Let them use let Heyman use Roman to represent a champ, and let Roman use Heyman to get the dirty deeds done. Don't do the dirty deeds yourself. You don't have to. You just aligned yourself with the biggest asshole out there. Ah, oh, man. Another thing, my God, Justin said this literally proves that whether he's face or heel. In anyone's eyes, the fucking agenda this company has for Roman Reigns will always be to stand out in the end. And I... It's not a terrible take. It is not a terrible wrestling take. Because from my perspective, I love the babyface. From my perspective, I hate this. And I only hate it because you didn't have to go all the way this route. He comes in the last 30 seconds of the match. He kicks Bray in the dick to win the title. That, that has heel written all over it. Now, it's up to them to explain the why of it when Friday comes around. But for me, man, I, I don't know what to think. Because anything they tell me as the reason why is not going to add up. But they, again, Paul Heyman can talk his way out of a speeding ticket. So what, what are they going to say to make this make sense? And I found it interesting that they did drop his music. So they're, they're definitely not going to go with the shtick. The ladies and gentlemen and all that stuff, which is which is good because that's Brock's thing. But, uh, man, the match before Roman came out, though, again, was another brutal Braun Bray match that you really want. It, it was it was awesome. Uh, we were we were getting somewhere. We were, they, they were showing us who these two are. Um, there was the return of the mallet. And I tell you what, I, I clapped. I clapped hard body. Both times, Alexa Bliss popped up, twisting the dreadlock in her fingers. 
And this is this is a storyline that I have no clue how they're going to execute it, but I'm in for it. And the reason why I'm in for it, and you guys, if you don't believe me and you want to call this a terrible wrestling take, pay attention to how Alexa Bliss is doing it. The how. Not necessarily the what. Oh, it's just a dreadlock twix- twisting between her fingers. That's not it. It's how she's doing it. She is sucked in to Bray Wyatt. So if this breaks away and we just undo the Bray Braun stuff, that's that's okay. Because this tonight, I believe, just proves that seeing Roman Reigns come back is the reset they were looking for. Now, this is my instant reaction because it's the last thing that came on and, and it kind of ruined my, my perspective because I didn't think that they were going this obvious. But I do want to put this out there. Payback shit all over SummerSlam. Payback was fucking top-notch from beginning to end. We had intense action, furthered storyline, possible elimination of storylines, and, I mean, just quality, quality entertainment. And they kept it tight. It was just under three hours, and we literally got everything we wanted. I'm being a little cynical on the Roman stuff, and it's only because I think they could have done it with more depth. You know, but the match itself was on its way to being one of those classic train wrecks. But I think what may have gotten a little lost in the shuffle is if you look at it for what happened, Bray and Braun took each other out and then it took additional steel chairs for Roman to get the win. And I think by going that way, you still protect the mythology of Bray and the size of Braun. But, you know, when when Payback ended, the Seth Rollins SummerSlam from 2015 came on. And after that was the Chronicle for Braun. And the opening of the Chronicle for Braun had this disheveled look on it not being his time. Now, I didn't watch it because I wanted to come down to the basement and do this. And I'm concerned that we'll never get Braun the way we need Braun. Um, Look, I'm a fan of Braun. I think he does some really incredible stuff. And I don't mean flipping ambulances. I think when you take a guy his size, that's 6'7", 6'8", 380, you know, almost 400 pounds, who is as athletic as he as he is, I mean, it, the dude runs the ropes just as good as any other guy above 6'2", you know, and he he's strong as fuck. Now, yes, there is a disconnect, but, I, you know, that's just because there's nobody else his size, you know, but why not put him against Sheamus for a run? You know, they really messed up by not having him and Brock really square off and do tests of strengths and go for 15 minutes together. I mean, Brock can do it. He's an athlete and a half, you know, and they're both believable to not be able to take each other out for a while. So go 15 minutes showing the strength. Give us something, you know, but guys his size don't exist anymore. He's the last of that dying breed. So we'll see what happens. I would like to think that Bray and Alexa are going to find their story and stride going forward 
And I would think that Roman is going to develop whatever he needs to in this Paul Heyman character thing. And one of the things I saw was Bully Ray tweet out that the Beast is going to be a monster babyface. And my response to him was, fuck it, go all out. Have Roman and Brock be tag team champions. If you're going to do this, do it. And give us something unique. Give us something we're not expecting. That's my terrible take on this. My terrible wrestling take on this is if you're going to do it and look predictable, do something not predictable. Have Brock come back, stare in Roman's face, and have Paul Heyman say, Boys, do I have big plans for you two? And turn it into a tag title opportunity. Go for it. Go all out for it. But I'll leave that there, and I'll get back to the standard format of a recap show, and I'll just go match by match, starting with Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley. Now, look, I said it last episode that the title scene has been entertaining, but I'm not into who has the title. That means nothing to me. And I think that's bothersome because, like, tonight, Apollo Crews loses the title, and I don't care what he's doing going forward because he's now no longer part of the story with the Hurt Business, unless this is a stagnation of a storyline, which I don't think any of the rest of the matches kind of did that. So now, if on Monday we get Hurt Business versus Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, uh, Ricochet, and, and Apollo Crews, like, okay, I can see this kind of going forward a little bit, but... If the Hurt Business is going to be real, then you you got to uplift this shit. you got to get it to be stronger and away from the other guys. But if you do that, then what's, what's going to happen next? Are we going to get Apollo Crews in a tag team? You know, are we going to get Apollo Crews and Cedric Alexander versus the Street Profits for the tag team championships? I, I'm not mad at that, you know, but we got to do something with Apollo Crews because we just saw him for a couple months and we even... We're wondering what's going to happen when he came back when he was out for a month. So keep us invested. Keep us going. Or, like me, pull me in a little bit better on just Apollo Crews. Because now that he doesn't have the title, then what's his purpose on TV? Because in the chase, we were like, oh, I hope he does. But he didn't. You know, and when he finally got it, you know, there's your clap. And he was kind of comfortable with the belt. But it's just against the wrong people because the Hurt Business really needs to be uplifted. But now that... Bobby Lashley has the U.S. title. The Hurt Business can lay claim to that rightfully, you know, and it seems like it's going to take a lot to get the title off of Bobby. And before we move on, shout out to Apollo Crews for hitting the Wakanda forever before the backwards somersault. It's, it's a subtlety that we needed, and I appreciate that. Again, RIP and shout out to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, you're an inspiration to many. And... Move on to the rest of the recaps. Next up on the night was Big E versus Sheamus. And I tell you what, if you're looking to become a star, go against Sheamus. Sheamus did everything in his power tonight to make sure Big E was as main event as possible. You know, when you look back on the Sheamus Roman Reigns stuff or Sheamus Daniel Bryan or, you know, really anytime Sheamus is put in position to be main event he his size alone and his strength shows that he belongs 
And what I felt like he did tonight for Big E is put up a challenge for Big E to overcome. And that challenge being a Hall of Fame talent giving him everything he got. The only thing he didn't do was kick out of a broke kick. But I tell you, that that running knee that basically knocked both of them out, I jumped off the couch. I, I was like, oh, you know, I gave it a, a big reaction. And, you know, they, they man, they just worked well together, you know. And this is one of those, you know, when it was New Day versus The Bar, and it's the two of them, you know, leading into a pay-per-view in a singles match. You're like, okay, here's five minutes or something. No, they got some time tonight, and they put on something that, I mean, I clapped for at the end. I was just like, you know what? One hell of a match, and who's Big E going up against next? And not only that, who's Sheamus going up against next? Because, look, there was rumors back when Sheamus was out not too long ago that, you know, Sheamus had to retire because he had stenosis in his back, and you know, he had disc degeneration. And, I mean, shit, just like with Oscar, right? Let's give Sheamus his flowers, man. Get Sheamus is going to be a Hall of Famer, and you saw it tonight. What him and Big E did was fantastic. And the subtle shout-out to Big E here. My man was rocking all that boots. Uh, any 80s babies listening, 90s kids growing up on all that, I love the symbol on the boot. Um, We all know what that yellow circle with the red lettering is all about. But uh, anyway, you know, I didn't really care for the yelling at graves. Tell them about me. You know, it just it. I mean, he was hype, you know, and he was super happy that he won. and, And maybe that was not supposed to happen. And he was just that excited to kind of prove the Miz wrong because the Miz has been talking shit on talking smack. And either way, I, I mean, I think the match was fantastic. It's probably third in my matches of the night. You'll you'll hear the other two because, you know, this is a recap. But anyway, good win for Big E. Excited to see what happens to both Big E and Sheamus going forward. Uh, they're both going to put on some really good matches with whoever it is they're going against. Next up was Baron Corbin versus Matt Riddle. And I tell you, this is exactly what I was talking about during the recap. I did not care about the King's Ransom stuff. It does absolutely nothing for me. What does something for me, though, is Baron Corbin in the ring. The guy can wrestle. The guy makes everybody who goes against him look good. Matt Riddle is talented in his own right and doesn't need somebody to make him look good. But as we all know, as fans watching and being told by wrestlers themselves, it takes two to tango. You need a giver and a receiver. You need a leader and a follower. And tonight, I don't care who did what. All I know is the two of them together put on one hell of a match. And that's the only reason why I didn't like the King's Ransom stuff. Because it didn't need to happen. Now, maybe that's just me not hearing the story correctly or it's just the story that took us to the match didn't vibe with me but that's why I don't discredit these things and I wait for the ring work because my terrible wrestling take would have been the storyline's trash but I'm still looking forward to the match where most people go the storyline's trash I don't care I'm not going to watch 
Well, you got to look forward to the match because at the end of the day, it's in-ring that matters because it's a wrestling show. And this match delivered. And Matt Riddle and Baron Corbin did an outstanding job. After that, we head into the Women's Tag Team Championship match. And, you know, I was just begging for a storyline inside the match. I said, just tell me a story. Let me know what's going on here. And at first, the match was a little rocky. Looks like, honestly, to me, it looked like Shayna was a little young under the spotlights, which is odd because she did so well in NXT, but it seemed like maybe the light of this stage was a little too heavy for her in the beginning because the moves, you can see she was trying to set up and the timing was just off a bit, but it seemed to all be on Shayna's part. You know, she got to the next move a little too soon, but I tell you what, it quickly, quickly turned around. And and the other thing, it's it's a shame how this match ended up because Bailey and Sasha never looked this good before. The tags in and out. The team worked together. Now, they did have that one little slip-up where they didn't time the dropping of Shayna correctly. But once that happened, the rest of the match was fucking incredible. They did such cool shit. And this is the kind of match I was talking about when it comes to the woman's body chemistry. The way they sync up when they wrestle each other. This is a match where that doesn't happen. They lined up amazingly across the board when their timing was right so anyone who shits on women's wrestling tell them to watch that match but watch it with them because if they try to walk away with the missed double slam on Shayna they're gonna miss out on a really really good match you know and again not just the chemistry on Sasha and Bailey but the ring gear this time they had matching ring gear that was dope except for the fact that Bailey came out looking like Woken Bailey. You know, she had this Matt Hardy vibe with the shirt she was rocking. But, I mean, other than that, the match was really awesome. And I was okay with the finish because it was super creative as far as it happened, right? This double submission, using Sasha to help choke out Bailey, Like, that's so cool. The problem I have is Shayna just beat the SmackDown Women's Champion, the former Raw Women's Champion, at the same time by herself in what seemed like an accident. Bailey wasn't knocked unconscious or anything. She just happened to turn her turn in the wrong direction. And that's not becoming of Bailey Doe Straps, who is now Bailey Solo Strap, or even Sasha Banks, because they're both way better than that. They're literally one in three right now, or two in three right now, if Asuka's number one. Like Shayna is that girl, though. She is the one to double submit, but you don't double submit the top two. I'm sorry. It didn't ruin it for me, but I was just like, how much stronger can you look? But it's Shayna not winning a singles title, but now if she loses a singles title match, why? You know what I'm saying? Like She had Sasha beat with her legs and beat Bailey with her arms and then beat them both together at the same time. Like How are you going to lose to either one of them one-on-one? That just wouldn't make sense. So I think they ruined that a little bit. Uh, they they might have made, just made her look too strong. But all in all, I mean, this women's tag match is what it's supposed to be. And I tell you what, the right storytelling they did with Naya and Shayna was the, oh my God, we fucking won. They hugged each other and quickly let go. I'm okay with that. We're going to start building to the energy they should have put in the beginning instead of fighting each other. They're like, we're badasses. We're not cool with each other. 
but we're on the same page, that's way different than Nia punching me in the face and me going, hey, I'll tag with you, but just don't try to punch me in the face anymore. So next up, we had my most anticipated match of the night. My guy, Keith Lee. Again, probably for the last time. Shouts to David Shoemaker, man. This guy championed for Keith Lee so much before he actually came into NXT. I became a fan as soon as he popped on screen, and he's the best to watch. Just entertainment value, pure entertainment value. And I fucking tell you what, and I know whatever anyone else feels like fucking saying, but call it a terrible wrestling take if you want. That's the name of the fucking podcast. Stop complaining about the goddamn music. Stop complaining about the uniform. Who cares what he wrestles in? Who cares what the music is? Because I tell you this. This match was fucking awesome. It was everything Keith Lee is about. It was everything Randy Orton is about. And Randy Orton did everything he could, the same way I said Sheamus did it for Big E, to make Keith Lee look like a champion. And Keith Lee will be a champion. Because I tell you this much. Randy Orton just a week ago faced off against Drew McIntyre. Keith Lee, in wrestling math, the way they do MMA math, is technically next up for the title. Because he beat the last contender. If you beat the last contender in MMA, they're like, oh shit, looks like he gets a title shot now. So in that wrestling math of it, why wouldn't he get a title shot? And he he fucking earned one. I mean, it, it just... It's unbelievable that so many people give a shit about the, the, the minute and a half, two, minute, two and a half minute theme song. Because I'll tell you what, who had a better theme song and entrance than Bobby Roode with the Glorious, right? Or Nakamura at a takeover with the violins, right? What's up with both of those dudes right now? Nakamura got so over with the babyface music, they changed it, put the rap in there so we couldn't sing along to it. Bobby Roode hasn't been seen since 1974. Where is he? So what does the entrance matter? If what you get in ring is what we got from Keith Lee tonight. Watch this guy. Be a fan. Who cares if he has the shittiest theme song of all time? It does not matter. You get the important part of his theme song off the bat. And that's all you need. If you think you need a two and a half minute dance in the living room by yourself to get you hyped up for a Keith Lee match, then you're watching for the wrong reasons. If you got to look at a guy and go, I like how he looks while he's wrestling, then hey, maybe again, you're watching for the wrong reasons. You want to look at dudes in underwear, do it somewhere else. These guys are putting on a show for you. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. Yes, you could have tight ring gear, but the reason people... Hate John Cena isn't because he wrestles in jorts. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not why. Did I like when Dean Ambrose went to John Moxley and put tights on? No, I didn't. But you know who else didn't? John Moxley. Because the dude wrestles in fucking pants again. But does it matter? 
because the matches he had, people were like, oh, Moxie won the, the IWGP Intercontinental title. And, you know, he was wearing tights in that match. And it was a thing, but it wasn't because they watched the match and supposedly it was one of the best matches he had and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't fucking matter. Watch the match. Enjoy the match. Because this Randy Orton-Keith Lee match was dope as fuck. Right off the bat, they run ropes. Fucking, he does a cross body. Samoa Joe calls it a cross Buick. I mean... They get into the chop fest. The loudest Randy Orton chops. Keith Lee hits him with the double chop. You know, I'm not going to do play-by-play, but if the reason why you're not into Keith Lee is because it's theme song and then ring guitar, sorry, man. Great fucking match, and you missed out. I'm glad I enjoyed it, and I'll be looking forward to see what happens with Keith Lee next. Maybe it's another match with Randy Orton. Who knows? But... If next pay-per-view is Clash of Champions, I want to see Keith Lee clash with a fucking champion. That's for damn sure. At the conclusion of this match, it was my match of the night. I thought that they did just a fantastic job of storytelling and and getting us invested into what was going to happen. And I was hoping the whole time that Keith Lee would win. And when he hits his spirit bomb... Virtually out of nowhere, and I appreciate the commentary saying a spirit bomb out of nowhere. Like, they didn't use that. They easily could have, and I'm glad they didn't, because we don't need the bastardizing of all this shit. But when he hit the spirit bomb, there was no false finish. One finisher, that was it. It shows extreme credibility, because this is Randy Orton, like I said a couple episodes ago, in the prime of Randy Orton. Yes, he's, you know, 40, whatever, or late 30s, 40, whatever. Like, the prime character that more people appreciate than any is this version of Randy Orton. And look what we're getting. And he was just in a WWE heavyweight championship match. And he gave it up to Keith Lee off of one finisher. Think about that. Think about the credibility that Keith Lee has now. That most of you guys don't appreciate because the ring gear and the music ain't on point. You know what is on point? The ring work. The ability to get the job done. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, don't fucking watch. If you don't like hearing what I say, call it a terrible wrestling take. It helps boost the podcast. And again, take it from my guy at JustInTime211 on Twitter. He says, at this point, I don't care anymore about the nonsense. I love Keith Lee, and I hope this is the start to a successful main roster run. As for for Orton, he can take the loss. He's bulletproof. Orton will just get his rematch, even if it makes no sense. And I don't necessarily agree with the rematch, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My man is right. Like, this is what we're here for. So when you get it, bask in it. So anyway, that was my match of the night until the next match. The next match was absolute all the flames of every single fire. Dominic and Ray versus Seth and Murphy. This match was unbelievable. For starts, 
Dominic looked like he dropped 15 pounds and was about four inches taller. I have no, he just looked phenomenal in the ring gear. And props for them listening to the podcast, which I know they don't. They took the hood off. Taking the hood off of Dominic helped big time. He didn't have to worry about doing moves and then taking the hood off his head. And it wasn't even distracting from the things that he did. Uh, he just put in some incredible work. And I tell you what, having the ability to watch Dominic grow, it, we're going to enjoy this one. He is going to be pretty fucking good. One of my guys who was an immediate follower of this podcast, and I appreciate it so much, was Main Event Mark's podcast. They do a retro wrestling podcast where they go back and they watch old episodes of wrestling like this latest podcast, ECW Born to be Wired 1997. What he said tonight was, there's a lot of dead air with the announcers tonight. To my response was, it's a good thing. Because he said that during this match. The match was speaking for itself. This match was giving us just the craziest shit, you know. And it started off with fucking Rey Mysterio's Bozo the Clown gear. Shout out to Bozo the Clown. That was my guy back in the day. I have no clue who the fuck was underneath it. And I'm sure Wikipedia could tell me now, but... Anyway, uh, the Bozo the Clown gear was pretty cool, but look, man, everything that we got in this match was just absolutely fantastic, you know, and the finish, my God, the finish was so cool, you know, Seth Rollins going to Murphy, kick him in the head, Seth Rollins goes to buckle bomb Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio flips it on him, Murphy kicks Seth Rollins in the head, looks like Dominic's going to recover on Murphy. Sends him in for a 619, then throws Pop to the outside to give Seth Rollins this power bomb onto the apron. 619 from Dominic to Buddy Murphy into the best frog splash that Dominic could do. And it's his second match. We gotta love this. For for as good as the debut was, this match was a hundred times better for Dominic. And watching him grow in this ring, man, uh, look, appreciate it. We are getting we're getting the opportunity to watch someone from the ground up who's a legacy that has the ability to grow and be somebody special. And I don't think this is going to be a rocket strap to the back, give Dominic everything situation, but it will be a series of one-on-one matches, uh, maybe eventual tag team matches, something to just give him a lot of screen time. Along the way, his promo work will get better. Everyone's does. And, you know, this is going to be something special. And we all get to say that we saw it from the beginning. So props to Dominic. Welcome aboard to WWE full-time. We are going to watch and enjoy, I promise you. Uh, If I'm wrong, you know, then this right here is a terrible wrestling take. But that's the name of the podcast. So I throw my opinions out there. You know, Rey Mysterio did a really good job. He didn't look like the old man, you know, trying to keep up. Murphy was on point as always. And him and Seth actually look really, really good together. And I would like to see them maybe transition into a full-time tag team role unless things open up again and they get to have, you know, a bigger Messiah with leadership situation. But I don't know what the AOP situation is if, if they're coming back anytime soon. So Seth can have a bigger squad and, you know, Austin Theory isn't around anymore. So with that being said, uh, definitely match of the night for sure. And it's it's not even close. I loved Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. I loved 
the women's tag team match, but this match right here was definitely match of the night. And the biggest reason why payback shit all over SummerSlam. And I'll throw it out here at the end too. You know, after this match was the main event. And it started off with a banger. You know, we had Braun Strowman surprising the Fiend during his entrance. Knocking him over, hitting him with some finisher action. And, you know, we got to a point where maybe, you know, boom, two quick false finishes. Maybe this match is going to end before Roman even shows up. And... You know, like I said, I, I kind of wanted to see more, man. I, I wanted to see what we're going to get out of these guys. But I think having the Fiend versus Braun one-on-one was the look. It would have been too hard to have all three in there and really see something. I have a feeling that we're going to get a Roman music change on Friday. I really hope that they kind of keep this as business instead of, you know, what Roman needs to succeed because... I, I don't know, man. I, I want to be high on it. I do, because I am a huge Roman guy. Look, when I came back to watch wrestling back in 2014, 2015, my first shirt that I bought was a Roman Reigns shirt. And I, I don't I don't see this as going in the right space. Now, the good thing is we don't have the crowd to hijack whatever's going to happen, and we get to watch it play out. And I will give this the benefit of the doubt, because that's what I do. But... I'm telling you, man, it, it better, better, better pay off proper. And we'll see. We'll see. I just hope it does. Oh, and one last thing before I sign off here. Let's give credit to Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. They reformed the Riot Squad, put on matching gear, threw the opposites out there. Ruby Riot riots to Liv. Liv Morgan lives to riot. They, they set themselves up as they're going to be a cohesive unit. Now, they did have some dissension in the match. And I'm not really sure if I like where that's going because we don't need the frenemy shtick. That's kind of how we got here in the first place, right? But I remember seeing Ruby Wright in NXT going up against Asuka in, a, I believe it was a triple threat match. Supposed to be Fatal 4-Way. But I was like, oh, this Ruby Wright gets it. Now, Liv Morgan has a little bit more work to do, but they also went up against the Iconics. This match was damn good. I actually, like, match-wise, pretty close to better than the Bobby Lashley-Apollo Crews match. But, that I mean, that's just me sticking up for women's wrestling. But the Iconics are that shit. And these four women put on a really decent match. And again, maybe another reason why... Today was just better than last week because we even got a kickoff show match that was pretty damn good. They really played into the frenemy thing a little bit because there it, it seems like they were trying to to reroute the tree. You know, Ruby Wright spent a lot of the match trying to prove that she's better than Liv Morgan, but then by the end of it, she needed Liv to get over the hump for the match, and. Looking back at the replays, like they showed that they worked together as a team. It wasn't Ruby Riot that struck Liv Morgan. It was all a setup. So, like, if these two are going to be cohesive and you have a team like the Riot Squad and you now have Shayna and Nia, if Sasha and Bailey weren't about to break up, you now have four solid tag teams and create more. Natty and Lana, give them some in ring work. Do 
Naomi and Tamina because they're real life friends. You know, bring back Carmella. You know, do Lacey Evans and someone else. Like, let's get this women's tag team division popping. But I wanted to throw that in there before I signed off. Let you guys know that if you didn't check out the Payback Kickoff show, that the women's tag team match, it wasn't top notch, but it was really good. So, all in all, this Payback pay-per-view, way better than SummerSlam. You know, I'm not going to do grades, but compared, I think we did better with stories. And I think we have more to look forward to. So, everyone complaining, including myself, that you got one week to build a pay-per-view. Look, they did it. And they got us there. Payback was legit. I hope you enjoyed the recap. So, with that being said... This has been my terrible wrestling takes on the Payback pay-per-view. Don't forget to follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you feel like sharing your terrible takes, email me at BishopTWTakes at gmail.com. You can also check out my pinned tweet. Send me a recorded message. I'll play it on the podcast and give you my response. With that being said, these are terrible wrestling takes. I'm the bishop of them. Until next time.